the Parachair Podcast. Welcome to Set Ball, the Powerchair podcast, the one and only podcast about all things Powerchair football. My name's Siobhan Stevenson and I'm here with my mate Dave Lewis, who is the chair of the Wheelchair Football Association. Dave? Hello, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? I am very well, feel like I've had a busy week, haven't been at work, I've got some annual leave booked so, and for next week as well, so a little bit of manor leisure, but still had a few things to do. Anyway, enough about me. Well, do you want to introduce our guests for this week? I do. Very excited this week because these are two guys I'm close to. I know well, feel like I know well. Hopefully they'll say the same about myself. We are looking at Cheltenham today. So we've got um, Vice Chairman of the WFA, CEO of Goals Beyond Grass, the Overseas Cheltenham, Brian Dix. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Hi, guys. All good, thanks. All good. And secondly today, joining Brian, alongside Brian, we have the captain of Cheltenham Southwest All-Stars, Dylan Palmer. How are you doing, Dylan? Not bad, mate. How are you? Good, good. Sounding fresh, Dylan. You're sounding ready for yeah, this. Yeah, just woke up, got the shower. Uh, just woke minutes. up. We won't say what time it is. It's, 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 it's PM. Then um, <laughs> <laughs> I woke up, had a good lunch, had a good shower, raring to go today. So, yeah. Been really excited to get this around, so you know, uh, welcome to podcast six. I believe this is. It All is right. cool, right, guys? We just want to hear good stories. Want to hear your experience? You know, you're both hugely experienced, Dylan. You've played for more than ten years, as I know. I think About thirteen years. Wow, that is excellent. And Brian, you've been involved in powerchair football longer than you probably remember um <laughs> but we'll learn all about that as we go through the podcast okay are we ready to rock and roll then with our first question um dylan first of all um tell us about yourselves and your role within your club cool yeah so uh, my name is dylan palmer i'm based in london i've been playing poetry football for about 13 years i mean if you look at my hair you see some gray somewhere i mean yeah, 25 in October, so coming up real soon. First, when we started, I started with Evergreen in uh, Watford. I remember the first training session I had, we used to, they used to cut a car tyre in half and they used to literally tie it to the front of your day chair with a string and you get a pat on the back and someone would say, off you go, lad, hit the ball. That's literally how we started. So the ball used to be the size of a gym ball, so massive. So you literally could not miss the ball. I bet I did miss it probably a couple hundred times, but, you know, yeah, that's how we started. So to see how much the games evolved from then, it's incredible. The chairs we have now are levels above what we used to play with. Even the, uh, the storm chairs we used to have, you know, it was a great step up for what we used to use. But nowadays, the strike forces are something else. And made it a lot more exciting to watch and play for sure. The first thing I will say, I didn't realize that you've been playing for 13 years. Yeah, um, you know, that is an incredible amount of time. You know, that and we have heard from people like John Balding, you know, people like Chris Gordon about the car tire. But yeah. I must say, it was funny how you just explained it. Um, um, so that was 13 years ago. Yeah, I'm at Cheltenham now. Um, Evergreen, unfortunately, didn't go as planned. Uh, we got we had really good seasons, actually. We got into the uh, Premiership quite well. We came second place in the Championship, I think, 2013, maybe. Okay. I think we played uh, Premiership for two, three years. 
And then for some reason, we lost quite a few players and they went downhill and we got relegated from the Premiership. I went down to the Championship and within two seasons, we were completely out of National League. So obviously a player like me has been around the block about 500 times, got so much experience that uh, I have got a message from Brad asking me to join Cheltenham. I thought it would be nice to change and see how it goes. So now we play at Cheltenham. Uh, lucky enough to be the captain as well. That's a great achievement, personally. I've always seen myself as a leader, and it's great to see that uh, you guys thought the same as well. So, uh, first season didn't go as we expected, but um, obviously we had quite a really young squad. A lot of players, it was their first time at National League as well. So, see, that takes a toll. So, I think we lost our first five or six games, was it? That's certainly four out of the first five in the first it's weekend. Like uh, you travel a long way from for training. You live like in a sort of Watford way, is that correct? Sort of outside of London. Uh, yeah, so I'm about two and a half hours away from Tottenham. And you travel, yeah, you travel across to Tottenham every two weeks of training. So that's a massive yeah. commitment for yourself yeah. and your mom. You know, so you know, uh, fair play to that. You know, that's a really good attitude to have for other players as well. Excellent attitude. Uh, but what lot you know got you to that session? Was it you know you know someone telling you about it? Was it a flyer? So what it was is actually um, I went to Pizza Hut because I was hungry and eat some pizza and who doesn't love pizza, right? And I met uh, Nikki Baker at Pizza Hut and she had a golf ball on her joystick, right? So I was like, I've never seen that before. So I went over to her. I was like, oh, hi, I see you, you know, you've got a chair like me and you've got a golf ball. How did you get that? And we got talking and she was like, are you into sports? I was like, yeah, yeah, I love sport. And she was like, have you ever played power chair football and I just looked at her like what what's that and then she was like yeah you play power chair football she was like come over to Aspire Centre in our um, Stanmore I was like yeah so I went along and saw as soon as I saw it was I was hooked that was it it took five seconds of me walking into the sports centre seeing someone hit a ball and that was it I had to play that's how I got started because the original Aspire team trained at Aspire Leisure Centre. That's where they got their name from. So I was part of that group that started. So I've been been around for a while. You've been around a while. Excellent story, my excellent man experience as well. Brilliant. So uh, we'll come to you now, Brian, then. Yeah, well, I've been involved now for around seven years. Um, I was approached by a, um, a spearhead group looking to... Uh, increased power chair football in the southwest. This was led by Adam and um, Sam, the original guy before before Adam. Um, at first, I said no because I was I was already chairman of the Chatham Saracens running club, which had about twelve teams. Uh, so I was pretty much tied up with them. But anyway, the, the steering group got together and they asked me again to go down to the Star College to have a look. Um, which in the end I did, and <laughs> lo and behold, they put on the big screen. I know the little kids playing power chair football. You know, um, call me a sucker if you like, but watching this video of young players playing, there was a very young Dave Lewis there. Obviously, that was in black and white. We um, didn't really know who he was playing for. He could have been Newcastle United for writing. Um, but this got me involved um, as much as I... We started a, um, a, a side called Cheltenham Saracens Power Chair Football. Uh, we, had, we put on a taste session... And Sam and Adam advised me that we'd probably get between four or six people turn up. Um, on the day, we had 18, 24 in total. Uh, 18 who could play, 
uh, and, and, and unfortunately the, the six uh, other guys who turned up um, were not there from all from the Star College and they really were unable to actually to transfer to chairs to where um, they had loads of equipment and that sort of thing attached to their chairs so that we couldn't get them playing. Um, well out of that 12, um, 10 are still involved in power chair football. Um, You've got one at West Brom, young John Dixon. He's he was one of our original players who, who turned up to train. Uh, he he's moved on to um, to play at a high level, which so obviously we're really pleased with that. Um, what else do I do at Padre Football? Well, three years ago, um, I went home to my wife and told her I was giving up my job. Uh, I used to build hotels um, to start a charity, and the charity was called Goals Beyond Grass. Basically. Uh, I felt I couldn't see enough players or players who wanted to play football within my time doing it once a week on a Saturday. So I gave my job up, started a charity um, to get people involved, not just for the area, but for, in parity football in general. We did taste sessions all over the country. We still are. We engage with um, adult learning centres, um, colleges, schools, universities, um, and even um, we, we go to some care homes. Our eldest player to play is 103. Young Lucy's never played sport in her life. She got into a chair, said she would hate it, and suddenly she scored two goals, loved it, and got her daughter to come down to watch her next game. So, you know, it's not the true sense of power chair football. We know, but it's in a chair, it's got the ball, we're playing in a goal, and they absolutely love it. So that got me more involved. From there, I've moved on to... I, I'm. Um, I'm part of the committee of EPFA, which is the European Parity Football Association. Uh, and also, um, uh, a couple of years ago, I joined WFA as vice chairman to uh, Mr. Dave Lewis, um, which means my role is, is, is varied. Um, uh, covering for Dave when he's not around, obviously, he takes a lot of sick days and a lot of holidays. So, you know, it should have been three, six, five days a year he does it but I think it's three six three days he does it <laughs> um, and I fill in the rest but I'm sure he'll tell you a different slant on that oh there's a whistle whistle's gone <laughs> side by the bell Siobhan question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact I love the fact that you've come on and give him a ribbon Brian wow. I love it there should have been a disclaimer with this episode all is not true <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, Brian, it seems like like the way you've just described it there, described your background, you know, since you kind of got involved with power chair football, you've really sort of thrown yourself into it and, and moved into different areas. But can I just take you back a bit to, you know, when you mentioned you were with the running club? Yeah. How did you make that transition? You've obviously always been quite sporty. So can you talk a bit more about moving from the running club into power chair football and just your sporting background in general? Yeah, my sporting background in general, um, as a young boy, and I'm going back a couple of years now, um, when I was 15 and a half, I signed for Bristol City Football Club, who were then in the, the old first division. Um, my claim to fame is I'm in two programmes. Didn't actually get onto the pitch because there were there were some great players around at the time, um, and they were better than me. Um, but as a young lad, I was a, I was able to turn up and go to games where probably some players who weren't quite fit didn't get a game. So I was pushed up the ladder a little bit. Um, always loved sport. Um, didn't make it there, so I said that's it. Not playing football anymore. I'm going to go and join the navy. 
very extreme, but it was a mission because in the Navy you can play sport. And I played football, rugby, water polo and tennis in the Navy and spent 10 years really playing sport, not really doing much naval work. I do confess to that. But, you know, that, that's, that's part and parcel and that's the good and the bad. So when I got to the Saracens, um, I started there as a volunteer. And after three years, I'd moved my way up and, and tried to do as much as I can at the club. Um, and they asked me if I could become chairman to help um, take them through the next phase of their development. Um, so we applied for grants. We put lights around the ground. We put a, a, some seats in the ground. We had to upgrade the dugouts and, and get it to the highest level we could in that league. Uh, and so when Sam and Adam turned up with this power chair football malarkey, I thought, well, I cover all football as it is. You know, I'm doing under, under sevens. I'm doing sevens to 18s. I'm doing 18s to 23s, five men's teams, plus um, plus a, a CP team. We didn't call it a CP team then. It was just a, a team for friendlies. And we had um, 12 or 14 guys used to turn up. Um, they, they normally go to... Um, they're on um, somewhere on the spectrum, um, but they were able-bodied and they could run around. Um, so for me, that that ticked at the time my disability tick for the Chatham Saracens Football Club. So when I saw this power chair football, um, I was caught out a little bit. I didn't expect to look at it and fall in love with it. Um, and that's even with the cute Dave Lewis, which obviously at that time he was. <laughs> Not a bad looking lad, then obviously he hasn't aged very well. Over <laughs> well, I'm like a fine wine, getting better with age. Then. Some, say that, some say it's mouldy old wine, but I won't go into that. <laughs> some say it's mouldy bit of cheese. <laughs> then scraping off. That's where the smell comes from. Now I know where the smell comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, a ribbing Dave Lewis episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to think how, how I could fit Parachair football into the Chatham Saracens uh, setup. Um, it meant talking to the YMCA locally, who, who we, we trained with, trained at their ground and activities. Um, they had a sports hall, we fit in there. Was there enough players? We didn't know. Adam and Sam tell me our catchment area was brilliant and it'd be overflowing with players, no problem at all. You'd had 10 teams in two years. You know, that was Sam and Adam at the time. Um, but yes, we did start a team and it was called Chapman Saracens Football Club. But it was unsustainable with the Chatham Saracens because they were moving away a little bit and um, it didn't fit into what they had to do as well. So I cut myself free from there. I resigned as chairman and started Cheltenham. And we based ourselves at uh, the Ledge Centre in Cheltenham. We had some great players from the Star College. We had some great players locally. And what we also did, because of the training we, we were doing and we got some good coaches down to train, we poured people in from different areas and it doesn't take long as, as all you guys will know. Once you're in a premature football facility, people will talk to you. People will give you advice. People will help you. If you've got a problem, you give someone a call, they'll help you get over your problem. And if you need to borrow a chair, they'll lend you a chair. If you need to borrow a player, they'll lend you a player. There's always somebody willing to help. This is the exact opposite of the running game where if you'd have to borrow a, a, a yellow bib of somebody to tell you to get lost. You know, so this is where they give you a chair worth four or five thousand pounds. Yeah, go on, you can use that, no problem at all. And next thing you see players playing bumper cars with them. So, you know, it's, it's a very strange scenario, but it's all good. And so that was the launch of Cheltenham Parachair Football Club. From there, which progressed rather quickly, uh, was the Cheltenham South West All Stars. 
Now we're not saying we're a team of all stars from all over the all over the country because we are all stars, but we're all over the southwest. Um, we're pushing Dylan that a little bit because he comes from the you know the Landoner area, but um, we we allow him in because he does try and talk a bit of primary. He has to cross a boundary and get and, yeah. and not take his passport with him. Well, you're both getting it now. Dave's getting a ribbon, and now Dylan's getting it as well. Yeah, he walks and get eating the carrots, so he's, he is he is a loyal person to the Gloucestershire cause now. <laughs> he hasn't got the UR right yet, but we'll work on that. So the way that came about, um, that there were three players who had played at a higher level, but were dotted around the southwest area, playing in just in the regional league. Um, Helen, um, who played for Ocean City, she, she had played for Aspire and was a very, very good player. Tom Roberts, who was at Celtic Storm, uh, again, he played at the highest level. He was back playing regionals. And we had young Harry Shenton, who had played at Villa, um, and he, he, he was training at Villa, but uh, living in Cheltenham. So um, at the time, we wanted to play at a higher level, but our regional side just wasn't good enough. So myself and Helen and Harry were talking and Tom came into the conversation. Why don't we form our own team? Hmm, good idea. So I rang the WFA and said, is there any chance? At the time, 18 was dropping out. So there was a vacancy. And at the time, the playoffs were already sorted. So there was one extra gap. So we called it Cheltenham and Southwest All-Stars, purely because it, it can come under the control of Cheltenham or the administration become at Cheltenham. But players from all over the area could turn up, rock up and play at a higher level. We didn't know where it was going to go. That was three seasons ago. We, our first two seasons, we finished third, got to the playoffs. The first one, we lost to Sale in the, in the playoff. And the second playoff, we lost to Man United. Um, who stayed up in the Premiership, so we stayed in our league. We then got um, a very much older Dave Lewis, and my first picture of him is playing as a youngster, and young Brad Bates on board to, to help uh, coach um, the team. So that's why um, the connection between Dave and Brad's part of Cheltenham. Um, we probably will be changing our name from Cheltenham and Southwest Orzars this year, purely because we're a bit more nomadic. We've got players from different areas. We've had players from Norwich, we've had players from Cornwall, from Devon, um, which is crazy, but great at the same time. Um, so that's basically a, a quick uh, process of, of where I am and where I've got to now. Um, you said about my love for it. That's just grown. I have nobody in my family with disabled. I don't know anybody personally, apart from the guys I've known now, before I started playing power chip, but it was ever in a chair. I didn't know what parachair football was. Um, it's just something grabbed me and I thought these guys are definitely worthwhile looking into and investing my time into. And so here we are, uh, seven years later, Chatham have got three teams. We've started two teams in Bristol. We've got a team in two of the star colleges in Cheltenham who are bursting at the seams to play parachair football. Um, we've got the All-Stars team. At the WFA, which obviously takes up uh, more of my time because they've gone more holidays. Um, and all these little things are rolling into place to build up a bigger picture. Naturally, naturally, um, Dave will mention now that I might go to Switzerland every now and again. Which <laughs> I do. Once a month, I go to Switzerland. But that's because, and I'm open to say this, that's because I've started a power chair football in Switzerland. That's, so that's fair play, fair play. So, so yeah, so it's just, 
taking the, the, the parity of football story over to Switzerland and getting them in a better position as well. So all round, I would say, you know, 100% of my working week is parity football related. You've absolutely smashed it out of the park now. You've answered about four or four questions there. Fantastic story. Oh, I am, yeah. I am going to go back to Dylan because I think he's nodded off. Because um, <laughs> he hasn't said anything for about 10 minutes. What? <laughs> Just woke up, what did you say? <laughs> Excellent. Okay, then let's move on then because I think we're very close to the half time already. I think it's time for 2v1. 2v1! So I've got a few questions for you guys if you're up for the challenge. Okay, so um, there's, it's the best of five, so the first to three. Okay, so potentially maximum of five questions. Are you ready? Yeah. This is one for Brian, first of all, but you both can answer, obviously. Okay. But Brian should know this because he's been involved in that fan. Yep. Pressure on. I'm trying to play mind games here. All right. <laughs> Do we need any time on the clock? Give him 20 seconds because we can't have an open-ended. Put him okay, under hold time on. pressure. So Dylan, feel free to chip in as well because uh, you all know the answer to these. First question, name the seven countries that competed in the 2019 Epfat Nations Cup, which England won, of course. There's one answer. Go. England. Yep, one. Shadowman. Denmark. Yep, keep going. Ireland. Northern yep. Ireland. Five, four, yeah. three, two, France. one. Stop. You've missed one, haven't you? Have you missed one? You didn't say Finland. Ireland. Finland, that's the one. But you didn't get it in time, Brian. I'm sorry to say. Unbelievable. Who's doing that timer? Is it it's me. Siobhan. And I can be trusted. I am good with my timer. Okay. If it was Dave, I've, I'm not questioning it then. I've got that one. I've got that point. It was Howard in Finland, Brian. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting you back now for those insults. Okay, <laughs> then. That's one point to me. I'm sorry. Come on, boys. Pull it Ooh. out of the bag. Nah, okay then next question if you've heard the other podcast you'll know some of these answers it's one of my favorite questions so 30 seconds on the clock Siobhan please just seconds. think of players think of famous parachair players you know the community well enough name 10 players to score 100 or more national league goals in their careers go John Bolding one Sham out Chris Gordon two Marcus Harrison Three. Um, um, Harry. Harry, buddy, yeah, I'll give it on five. Um, five, four, three, two, one. Time's up. <laughs> Come on, guys. Couldn't think at all. You can't crazy. see. Time pressure. Sykes <laughs> people. The pressure, out. the time in it, it gets to your head. That's Could the have had Ed Carmen. for Dylan. My brain doesn't work. I don't have a brain. That's just what it is. <laughs> Ed See, Dylan, I'm like that as well. My brain can't work that fast yeah. under pressure when there's a timer. I just can't do it. It's like... I couldn't remember Harry's second yeah. name. Harry Buddy, yeah. Uh, 19 players in total that have done it. Okay. Oh, is there? Yeah. Okay. So, there's a fair bank of answers. I'm sorry, I'm tuning up. You're gloating oh. then, Mr Lewis. <laughs> right then. Fine, you, you've got to get this one. You, you no time limit let's give them a chance okay but you know but obviously don't take all day you know what i mean um mm-hmm. 
How big is the penalty box in meters in a game of power chair football? Or of course, training doesn't have to be a game. What's the measurement of the box, the penalty box? Eight meters by five meters. Boom! Got it. Mr. Dix has got the right answer. Two on. Go back. Well done, Mr. Dix. Straight on that. This one now, very difficult. I'm going to give you a list of player names and you need to tell me what they've got in common. Okay? They've got one thing in common. Okay? So what have the following players got in common? Siobhan, give him 30 seconds, please. But I'll give you a few more to answer after. Okay. So these players, what have they got in common? Jack Maxwell. Northern Thunder, Lewis Hammonds, formerly of, of Brighton, Ed Common and Harry Body, both of Northern Thunder. What have they, what have them four players got in common? Jesus Christ. Uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you all play parachair football? Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. That's not the answer I'm looking for. That's, you know, there is um, a certain yeah. thing they've achieved, certain thing they've achieved in the last few years. Oh, they've 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 got doctorates or master's degrees. No, no, it's something within Five, the sport. Within four, the sport. Three, um, two, one. A title. one. I can't Time's get it, guys. up. I knew this would get you. It's three one to me. The answer is they've been the leading goal scorers in the Premiership. Uh, so Jack Maxwell has done it for the last two years. There were Lewis Hammonds, Ed Common, Harry Body were the three years previous to that. So okay. those are the last five seasons leading goal scorers. Okay. That's a fair question, yeah? Good okay. question. I've yeah. won 3-1. I, I was due a win. I've been lost the last two or three weeks. So thank you very much. Well, we needed to give you a win at one stage. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Thank you, guys. I love power chair football because it allows me to be competitive in a team sport um, and, re- and realise my potential um, and, and hopefully to be successful in a sport, playing a sport that I love. I love power chair football because it allows me to be part of a team and play a competitive sport. What I love about power chair football is when you meet new people who have recently discovered the sport, seeing the light switch on in their faces, whether that's a player who has just discovered this wonderful new interest or whether it's an excited parent that their son or daughter has something new to focus on. I love parachair football because it gives people in wheelchairs the opportunity to play the beautiful game. It gives me a reason to push myself, to perform and compete at the highest level, as well as making some great friends from all over the world. Okay, so you ready for second half? No more questions? We'll come to you first, Dylan, I think, using your vast parachair specific experience of 13 years. What does it take to make a winning power chair football team well i'd say first of all it takes uh determination and a lot of effort so you have to as a coach and as a player you have to put in maximum effort and i think as a coach you need to make sure to be patient with your players so a lot of times you might say this is what we want but the player might take a bit of time to understand and to adjust to what you want and also that from a player point of view, you have to apply yourself as much as possible. It's a slow game. It's not, you're not going to get it straight away. It takes time to learn and it, t- it takes time to click. A lot of players, they need to gel with each other and able to be successful. It's a team game. So you might have one very good player, but that one player doesn't mean you're going to win any titles. 
you need a squad of players that all gel together and their all style of play fits each other. So that's the biggest thing I'd say is style of play. And you need a bit of patience. I think that's all it takes. That is a, a very wise answer, in my opinion. So, uh, Mr. Dix, can you follow that up? Um, I think for me, you've got to learn to rely on your fellow players. You've got to learn to trust them. Um, you've got to learn, if, especially when you're playing some of the new formats in parity football, like the four out, you've got to learn to trust your players who are behind you, that they're doing their job, because otherwise the goal is being left wide open. So when you train and when you listen to your coaches and your, your senior players, you pick up on what they're saying, you go with it and you believe in it. And, you, and then it's just as boring as it is sometimes, it's try, try, try again. Just train, train and train. That's the only way you're going to get better. And if you train as a club, you play as a club, you work as a club. So that's, how, that's my th- thoughts on it. I think the sport has changed because, you know, we'll come on to the chairs in a bit. I'm going to ask you about the biggest changes you think have happened to the sport. But I think, you know, I think gone are the days when you can sort of be a one-man team and dribble around everybody and sort of smash, you know, smash every team that way because that's what used to happen. That's, that's no disrespect to anyone. But that was quite a popular thing as the sport was developing. Now we've got the new chairs, which will come on to, yeah. you know, um, you know, the, um, you know, the quality of coaching is better, I think, up and down the country. You know, um, you've got all these different factors contributing to uh, to the fact that you know, you know, one player can't dominate a game anymore. It is a squad game, as Dylan said. Siobhan, a very faint whistle. Yeah, my whistle's going mad today. But it it was just a question to come back to something that Brian had said about, um, was it something about new formats? Yeah, the way that some clubs are playing, the way that the England team plays, is you don't play with a a traditional goalkeeper. Do you know your format? You've got like the V, haven't you? You've got the player at the back and the two wing players. And it goes, the ball will go between the V. If the players can play with that goalkeeper pushing up, suddenly, if you're playing against a team that have got a traditional goalkeeper, they only have three out players. You suddenly got four out players. So if your passing game is good, you pass around their players, taking the, the odd risk because you have to, because you, you, you're playing hopefully a better standard of football. Your passing's good. It all, will always give you an extra player in the round the box to score those goals. So you have to trust in your players who play at the back. You still have a, a goalkeeper, and he's the person who's allowed to be in the box, but your other three players are instrumental in a lot more passing, a lot more um, control passing, and they play the ball out, not just whack it at the field and hope someone gets on the end of it. Okay. Siobhan, myself and Dylan, both players, the goalkeepers in our you know, I play for West Point, Albion, Fossils and Dylan plays for Tottenham, but we wear the goalkeeper's colour. But we actually don't stay in goal that much. We come out okay. and we try and push the team forward from the back. Mm. You know, so I'm obviously using more experience, you know, and the three guys around me are just actual players. So I'll always be the one to drop back. Do you see what I mean? But it also gets the team to go on the attack quicker as well. To but keep it's them. interesting because as a lay person, you know, yeah. looking at the running game, Whenever I've watched a game where the goalkeeper has come out of their goal, mm. you know, you find yourself thinking, what are you doing out of the goal? Get back, <laughs> get back in, you know. So, so to hear that it's a, um, 
Brian, I should have picked up by now. I'm not a massively knowledgeable about football or power chair football. Um, but to hear that it's a strategy in power chair football to have goalkeepers coming out of the goal and, and the idea is yeah. that the, you know, the ball is passed around more and it gives you an advantage because you're pushing the team forward. Yeah. It's quite an interesting thing. I've never, I know it sounds a bit daft, but I've never thought about that, like that as a strategy. So it's interesting to hear. If you take England as an example, Chris Gordon, he's not a bad player. He's, he's, he's learning all the time and, and one day he's going to make it as a, as a strong player. <laughs> um, he, he, he plays in go for England. And um, he, he is a big believer in, like Dave Lewis and like some of the other people around Paragee Football, that the way forward is to play with the goalkeeper coming out, yeah. which gives you the extra man at all times. When you play against teams like France, who don't even pass the ball, Around the back, There's, they they don't get trained to pass the ball. They're driving the ball forward, dribbling the ball, and trying to take players on, which is like three years ago was training. Yeah. So they haven't actually kept up with, in my eyes, and with our coaches' eyes, um, with the right training methods. So th- there is a good chance that we will be training our players um, to play this role because if they want to get into the England side, I think the England. DNA is set now that that's the way they're going to play. There might be times in the game they drop back because there's an attacking side they have to you have to soak up the attack. But on the on their attack, they're all out. So it's, if you imagine you're defending and you see a rush of four players, you're thinking, "Oh my God, where's the ball going to go?" Yeah, you know. Mm. And it is happening to teams, and that's why it's hard to understand it sometimes. And that's why some teams are slower picking it up and running with it because their players get confused playing that role and then they get caught a lot of two and ones and they get caught banging the ball lights from the fence and suddenly it hits a chair, ricochets back and suddenly they one go down and morale drops. Yeah. But if they can go with it and you can train it, um, and like I said, Dave's an advocate of, of doing this sort of training and that's where Cheltenham are going through at the moment um, so that the players can play that sort of role. Because if they can and they learn to do it properly, they're a much more attacking, aggressive team to play against. I think this is a really important point, you know, and I'll come to you in one second, Dylan, because I think, you know, I am, I am one of the few believers, I think, and I think it did start with, you know, coming down from Chris Gordon in England and, of course, West Brom music. There isn't that many teams that consistently use it. You know, you know there are some teams that sort of, um, you know, sort of dabble with it. If I, but had it come back for me personally in the fossils, was that uh, nobody wanted to go in goal. So I said, right, I'm going to be the goalie, and this is how we're going to play. You know, and it's totally transformed the team. You know, together with the coaches, you know, we work really closely. And I think it's just having that right mindset to do it. And we've got someone online who's currently doing it, Dylan. So if you could just, you know, if you could just sum it up, you know, how is it? Because obviously you've been playing a long time. You've played the traditional one goalie sitting on the line yeah. with the three. How is it different to that, you know, and what's your, um, you know, your uh, kind of belief in it and experience? Well, I'd say from a person watching the game, it's more interesting to watch. It's not just, I dribble the ball left, dribble the ball right, and then you end up dribbling the ball back towards your goal, and then you go back towards their goal. It's just a constant fight. It's just dribbling. It's, It's boring. When you're paying a four out for the parents and everybody else watching, it's just fun. Everybody enjoys watching teams that play four out because it's attacking, 
it's fun. And often you see the players, they're playing with massive smiles on their face because everybody's playing the ball. Now, what happens when you play the three out is the keeper starts to feel like they're left on their own and they're not part of the game. If you play four out, it gets everybody involved. So the keeper is, isn't really a keeper at all. You're playing as a second middle player. So it's fun for the players. It's fun for people watching. And I believe in able to, to make this sport more popular, I think four out is the way. I think we can get more people to watch the game. We can get more people to play it and more people to enjoy it. And that's what we're here for, right? Is to enjoy playing the sport. So okay. I believe four out is the way. It's more fun and I'm happy to keep going and let's see what happens with it. I think it's the way forward for sure. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliantly summed up. The final challenge. So, guys, you ready for the final challenge? You listen to the other podcast. You get 40 seconds on the clock. You have to name as many power chair football clubs in England as you possibly can. And there are 46 possible answers. The only rule is you can't repeat an answer. Uh, bearing in mind, you must, must say every different club. So, for example, West Bromwich Albion is a club. Brussels isn't a club. It's just a team of West Bromwich Albion. Just to clear that up, because some people come out with all sorts of answers. Yeah, Four seconds on the clock, please, Siobhan. I'm going to press one on my keyboard every time you say a correct answer. So, 40 seconds for this one, and yeah. the ones to beat are West Bromwich Albion. Okay. And this is going to be hard, because they got crazy. 33 at the last count. So, okay. they're the ones to beat. So, ready, steady, go. Cheltenham, West Brom, Aspire, Aspire. Muscle Warriors, uh, Nottingham, Darlington, yeah. Thunder, yeah. Cornwall, yeah. Brighton, yeah. Man U, yeah. Exeter, yeah. Villa, yeah. Leeds, yeah. Hull, Manchester yeah. United. He said Man United, go on, keep going, we'll let you come out. Newcastle, Northern Thunder, right. Ocean City, Nottingham, Sevenham, Villa Rockets, West said, Brom. Said them, West Brom, yeah, go on. Worcester. Two, one. Time's up. Time's up. A couple of repeat answers, but we'll let you carry on because I'm feeling generous and your friends. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just a couple at the end there, but we want, you know, maybe count up, talk amongst yourselves, when our shots going. <laughs> I don't think we did too well there, Brian. I think. <laughs> don't know if you got the thirty-three. Nah, no chance. I think we got me. I might down unofficial twenty-three, which is good. Twenty-three. So you beat. You are second on the leaderboard. We'll take that. We'll take just that. above <laughs> Middlesbrough. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'll take the second place. I don't mind Just that. above medals, but 23 unofficial. We will probably we 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 are knocking them off for the repeats of Villa and Man United. Okay, okay. 23 okay. different ones. Well done. I was quite impressed by that. Actually, I didn't think you'd get that many. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Where's the face? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> guys. It's been really good. I've enjoyed this. We have got one more question. Okay. If you could change one law of the game in power chair football, then what would it be and why? For me, it's easy. I would increase the two-on-one distance to make it just a bit longer. I think if a player is trying to get out of the way, the referee should just let it go. If they're deliberately obstructing, then I believe it should be a two-on-one. Mm-hmm. So I think they need to change the rule a little bit. I think it will enable the game just to be a bit more loose. More passes can happen. And more goals going. Who doesn't want more goals? 
Brian, I'm very interested to see what you're going to say. Okay, well, well, I know you said there's one, but there's actually two, which are paramount for parachair football. Okay. The first rule I'd like to change was the distance the penalty spot is set at. I think it's far too close to the goal, and it definitely, definitely gives a disadvantage to the keeper, without a shadow of a doubt. And rolling on from that, I think the size of the football needs to be reduced. I think now we need a smaller football for better quality control, for better passing, for more accuracy, and all round better play. The chairs have been brought up to spec, the goals at the footballs haven't. Excellent. There goes the final whistle. Some great answers there. You know, you know, variations on the theme that we've heard before, but excellent. Just shows everyone's on the same wavelength. It's been brilliant. I'm pleased. I'm pleased to work with you two guys. I'm pleased to call you friends, even if you ribbed yeah, me I'm for the entirety of that podcast. Um, yeah, I should tell you a funny story. The first night I became chairman of the WFA, me and Brian shared a bed. Now that's taking working together literally too far, I know, but it was a budget saving exercise. Should um, we even ask? Should we so even ask about first that? First day as chairman next to Brian Dix. Can I just say, he rings up every week to thank me for that. Every week. <laughs> thank you. It's a blessing. Best relationship I've had in five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listen thank you both for taking part it's been really lovely to meet you thank you guys um, really appreciate it thanks for having Cheers, me guys. Thank take, you. Care. take care take care bye have a good weekend bye. Set Ball is an Outer Circle production 